Impact, income, and influence. Do you want the most powerful, actionable takeaways from today's episode? Go to actionbullets.com to grab the quick, easy-to-read takeaways that will help you change your life and grow your business. Or you can click the Action Bullets link in the description below. Let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to Grow Your Impact, Income, and Influence, the number one show for entrepreneurs and digital business people looking to reach millions of people, grow their impact, and change people's lives. My name is Steve Warner, and I am so glad that you are here. Today, we are going to be talking about the energy going on inside of you, how that could create money blocks, energy blocks, things that hold you back that you may not be aware of. Lisa Peterson, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hi, Steve. I'm doing great. Awesome. I am so glad that you are here. If you guys are not checking this out on video, she has got her video set up on point. She looks amazing. She also is an author. So talk to us a little bit. I want to start off with your book because I think your book is really fun. Yeah. So, uh, Unlike maybe some people who write books in business, this was a labor of love that took about six years to write. I think I wrote about a million words to get down to the 300 whatever pages, just to give you perspective. I wanted to chronicle my own and my client's journey of moving from scarcity mindset into abundance. And not only what was going on under the surface when we have problems of scarcity, but what's the exact process that I was taking people through. And I did over and over and over again. And I just put it all out there. So it's, it's published by St. Martin's press, um, traditional publisher. And it's unusual that someone like myself would put everything in the book, but I was like, if I'm going to get one shot at this, I am going to do it, go big and have a book that hopefully is a perennial seller for 20, 30 years into the future. Cause I feel like it's ahead of its time. And I'm really, really proud of that. That's awesome. So we'll talk a little bit more about the book down the road, but I really wanted to start off with that because you're talking about scarcity mindset and you're talking about, you know, limiting beliefs and maybe not fulfilling your purpose, but I want to like, you started off your journey here as a financial planner, as a wealth builder. Like that's a very interesting starting place. Cause that's most stories for coaches, consultants, authors are, I was in all this pain and like, I had this journey and I had to learn this thing, but yours starts off a little bit different. You were doing very well. You had a great business going kind of walk me through, like, where were you at and what started to change for you and what, what lit you up and got you started on this path? Yeah. So what you're saying is I was. Um, I had reached this place of being a financial advisor. I had become a certified financial planner. Uh, that was after 20 plus years in the finance business and also had become a self-made millionaire about 20 years ago. So I had it going on, but I came from parents who didn't have it going on. And so when that happens, there's a natural curiosity, perhaps in the people that show up and work with you. So even as a financial advisor, I would have a certain number of clients that had lots and lots of money. And I would have other clients that did not have enough money to barely invest with me. And I would kind of do what a lot of financial advisors don't do. And I would work with people who didn't have a lot because I wanted to show them that it was possible. In the course of uh, working with people and their money for you know more than 20 years, I started to notice patterns that 
go all the way back to, I was, my first job after I got my MBA was working for State Farm Insurance and I was on a disaster team and I would go and work after the Northridge earthquake in Los Angeles, for example. And I would be settling really big claims with people and their homes that had been damaged. And I noticed the behavior all the way back then that the minute I pulled out the checkbook and I had the power to like write whatever check I wanted to write, everything would change. And I'd be like going from a 25 year old, you know, girl with blonde hair, just showed up at somebody's house. And all of a sudden I was like super important and they'd want to treat me differently. And I just noticed these patterns over the years of people. Some people are super clear with money, no problem. Other people put it on a pedestal, worship it, treat people differently if they have a lot of money. And I was curious about that. And so I started interviewing my clients uh, back in 2011. And I would just say to them, you know, will you meet me in a coffee shop and tell me your life story, but tell it to me in the lens of money. And they're like, that's weird. And I'm like, I know, but there's something here. And, and that began, like they would start to tell me their life story through this lens. And I was fascinated, but not as much as what happened like two, three weeks after these conversations, I would find out that people left their relationship. They quit their job. They like started a business in almost no time flat just by talking about money and unlocking what was happening inside of them, their whole life was like starting to look different. And I said to myself, I don't even know what I'm doing. I've never taken a life coach class in my life, but something's happening and I want to know more about it. I mean, that's a pretty, like one, I love the curiosity. Like I think I think entrepreneurs have this innate, like we're just curious about everything. So I love your your curiosity lens. And I love the fact that you're talking about, you know, it all starts in childhood. Like a really interesting experiment I saw at a live event was somebody said, you know, everybody says that they have childhood issues. Well, they didn't start with that. They said, how many people in here? I want you to be really honest. I want you to shut your eyes. How many people in here feel like they had a traumatic childhood? And he was like, okay, I want... I want you all to open your eyes and 90% plus of the room had their hands up. And it was like, the difference isn't whether or not you had something traumatic because we all link something that happened to us to a traumatic experience. Some might be mild. Some might be more traumatic. It doesn't matter. We all have that linkage. It's how we choose to deal with it and how we heal ourselves around it is what leads forward. Do you find like, I, I find it fascinating that you point to that because I think it's true. I think especially around money, right? I mean, they're everybody, I would think a lot of your people, even there's so many questions I want to ask. Um, so I'll let you kind of start, like, what did, what patterns did you see in people? Because I think there's some wealthy people that they're wealthy because they grew up not having wealth. Right. And they find a way to, to make the money, to save the money, to invest. And there are other people who grew up on the poorer side of things and they remain on that side. So what kind of patterns did you see? Yeah, you are spot on that that it can be this full spectrum. And I I think originally I thought that I would see that there were really clear patterns about like what you grew up with and then what you end up with. But just like you said, some people have a lot of trauma and they go on, like Tony Robbins talks about this a lot, right? That he had a lot of trauma and then he it just made him have this oversized drive to go achieve something different. Now, 
in my audience, there are people like that, but more often than not, it's the other way where the beliefs of not being good enough that started early in life did not cause them to go out and, and achieve incredible things, or maybe they did, but, but they were so plagued by self-doubt that that hurts them. And so it's not as simple as you have money or you don't, but what I can say is the joy in your life is consistent. If you are still living in the demons that got presented to you early in life and you haven't broken free of those, it's going to show up with money, maybe because you work too hard and you never know when to say it's enough or because you just can't get out of your own way and you have a tendency to self-sabotage and stop yourself right before the success is going to come. And so my job is to help people take those unconscious patterns and bring them out so that they no longer are just like reactive experiences, but they're now stepping into what does it mean to live a more responsive life? That is, uh, so the reactive versus responsive is exactly at that live event. He was like, you now have the choice. Like you all just identified it. You now have the choice. But the thing that I think that event lacked, which I want to directly ask you about is that's where that event stopped. Like they talked a little bit. They did, you know, like, wow, this is great on stage, right? Jump around. Cause it was a short event, but my, like I left that event, like, well, now just because you're telling me that I need to be responsible for it, I don't know what that means. So in your conversations that you had in coffee shops, interviewing these people, I think also you probably have like a frame from 20 years in the financial industry. Like, what did you see that were like corollaries between people that were, what were some of the main things that held people back that they tied to beliefs around money? I like that you said, you know, some people put it up on a pedestal. I think those people, I like, I have my own assumptions, but I want to know what you saw and how you helped people start breaking free of that. Yeah, there's so much here. It's just like the whole human psyche. How we do one thing is how we do everything. So the things we're talking about are going to show up in their money and in your relationships and somewhere else too. Like it's not isolated, Mm -hmm. but what I did see is that these beliefs that we get early in life end up affecting us. But the problem is, is that we just don't understand what those beliefs are. So sometimes let's say, we, grow, we grew up in an area where we didn't have very much and we were made fun of for being not as fortunate as other kids, for example. And so this belief is, is that I am poor or I am disadvantaged or I am, you know, something like that. And because it's all happening subconsciously, you don't realize how it's affecting the way you show up in your business or with your clients or even with your friends. And when we start unraveling those beliefs, then we start noticing, oh, like I see these different areas. But the problem is, is we just don't talk enough about the belief systems that we're holding onto. And that's where we get into trouble. So like the big one that comes up a ton is, you have to work hard to make money. Like that belief comes up in so many ways. And it's part of like the American culture, you know, that was really drilled into us that we're going to need to work hard. And a lot of people won't ever try and create maybe a passive income source because they're like, well, 
you know that that doesn't fit in your belief system. So why would you try and do something that you don't actually think is possible? And this is what we just do over and over again. I'm not going to try that thing if I don't believe it's possible. And I think the other part of it is that even though it's not as simple as just being like, well, that's stupid. It begins the conversation. It's not like it's all over just because you're like, well, that's a stupid belief. I shouldn't have that. It's I wish it was that simple, but I have found that that it isn't quite that simple. And a lot of people, because it's a buzzwords, not seven years ago when I started this business, but now like buzzwords, oh, money mindset. Like I didn't even know that's what I was doing when I started. I just wanted to get to the core root belief that people are holding on to that that cause them to make these mistakes over and over again with money. So I want to, I, what I heard you say is I see it, I see it in beliefs, whether it's money or other beliefs, right? People say they want X outcome. Um, I want to have, I want a really nice house, right? I mean, they might have the money for it, but they can't bring themselves to enjoy it. I have a really good friend who is an entrepreneur, did very well. He went and bought, like he said, it was a smaller version of his dream home. And he slept in the guest bedroom because he couldn't bring himself to enjoy it. Right. And the like, so you have a belief, but you're, or you have a want, but your belief is in almost direct contradiction. So a lot of times, and what does that do? That creates inner turmoil and like self-hatred thoughts and like a lot of confusion internally, because on one side, you're like, this is what I believe. And on the other side, you're like, this is what I want. When your wants are not in line with your beliefs, it causes clash. And you're, you're pointing that out in the wealth realm, which I think everybody has beliefs about money. You can't not. Hey, I just wanted to take a quick break from this episode. Are you enjoying the story so far? Would you like to know how to use storytelling and story selling in your business? Check the show notes down below or go to storyselling.how to grab my free mini course on story selling and start implementing this in your business right now. All right, let's jump back to the episode. Is that, do you agree? And yeah, something coming up, just I, I'm getting more and more people reaching out who are making a lot of money in their business. But because they didn't, they came from homes where the beliefs were really messed up. Like maybe there was a gambling addiction or alcoholism or just, you know, parents that didn't have a very strong sense of self-worth. And so now this person is visible, right? On, on this public stage and they're making a lot of money and yet they've never had a mentor or someone to actually teach them the, the thought processes that need to be applied when you start having that money. So what ends up happening is because like in the, in the, some of these cases in this one that I'm, it's coming to mind, it's like money was like the thing that they didn't have. So they didn't believe they could have it. Now they have it. And the only thing that they really saw growing up was that it's, it's to buy things that make you look like you're wealthy, for example, like that's a really common thing. So instead of like they, they, the one hand that they're saying, I want to build wealth. I want to have security. I want to have recurring revenue and all their interest and everything they're researching is buying instead of a million dollar house, a $2 million house. Right. And it's like, okay, we got a timeout here because that's not actually how you build wealth. I mean, 
you're going to have all of your money in this one resource and you're not going to have anything invested in other stuff, which is going to take care of you now and into the future. Like, yes, it would be fun to live in that $2 million house. My husband, and, and keep in mind too, like I speak from experience, not from just like, cause I read this in a book. We built that dream house. We had a 4,000 square foot house on like 20 acres of land in Tahoe in this just custom built. It was the dream house. My kids are still like, how could we leave that house? But there was a moment uh, that I woke up and I was like, we are spending all our time taking care of this house. My husband can't even get a job because there's so much to do around the house. And he's good at finding those things. And, and like, we're house poor, even though we're really wealthy. And it was, it was like, wait a minute. And I realized that we had been striving to like prove the wealth and meanwhile, we were broke because of what we, those choices we were making. So I think that having done this for so many years, mm-hmm. I think it's really different when you've been doing this for 30 years than when you just pop in and you just made your first million. It's a completely different mindset of like, what does it take to not only earn it, but save it and invest it and still have it around 20 years later? Those are the That's, things we're talking about. I mean, that is a huge shift. There's I have, there are two things that came up for me during that one, the, just to congratulate you on that, like not just congratulate you. Like if you're listening to this, the first thing that you see so many people do, they make money and they go spend all of it on a fancy car, a fancy house, upgrading their life. And then two years later, when the market changes, like when I say market, it's not the financial market. When like the coaching market changes or what they're selling doesn't sell as well, or they haven't gone along with it. Now they no longer have the money because they took money and they spent it on, on depreciating assets. Right. I mean, you put it in a house being house poor, at least you still have the house you could sell. And you, I'm thinking you probably did. It's okay. still lost value. <laughs> Interesting. Still- <laughs> but the, the thing that came up for me at the beginning of that was more around people like they start making money and they think that it's, I know some people have a really hard time. Like they feel shame around it because they're like, well, now people are looking at me as like, that's the rich person. And unfortunately in America, like it's no longer, it's like people there, there are a lot of thrown stones thrown at people who are quote unquote wealthy or have money. Like you feel like you have a target on your back. I know I had to go through this like 2015, 2016. Um, you know, I made more in a month than I made in my year salary. And that was for a lot of people, like you start sharing that kind of stuff. And people are like, some people congratulate you like a few people. And a lot of people start reaching their hand out or start like weird things. But then I realized that that went away as soon as I stopped giving energy to it. As soon as I stopped worrying about it, you know what, whatever, like doesn't matter. Um, I would love your thoughts on that because I, I want to get into how you heal that. That's Mm -hmm. the, cause if you can help people kind of clean up their energy around money, suddenly it stays around a lot longer and you feel a lot better about having it, which at the end of the day, I think the reason everybody wants money is not to have money. They want to feel security. They want to feel safety. They want to feel comfort, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They also want to feel like the impact or the contributions they're making are, you know, money is a good tool for that. Like, is it making an impact? Money's coming in. Um, so there's lots of cool things that can happen, but the question is around, uh, did you want 
did you want me to talk about the process or what? Just want to make sure. We'll come back to the process. I want to, okay. I want to talk about like what you see as being the, we, we touched on like big hangups, right? We touched on a lot of people have like ugly energy, we'll call it around money. Maybe um, I would like to get to the process of how people can start to unpack this for themselves. If they, cause to your point earlier, a lot of people are like, I'll just work really, really, really hard. And honestly, I think sometimes that holds people back from even making money because they're too busy doing busy work than doing the things that matter. Um, what questions do you ask? Because you sat down, you had a lot of these coffee shop interviews. What questions do you ask people to bring them to the forefront? And then once once they've asked answered the questions, how do you move them or guide them or pivot them? How do you actually do the thing? Right. So... I don't have the coffee shop conversations anymore. <laughs> that was back like 10 years ago. Um, but what's happened is probably helpful even just to talk about my book for a second, because I think that this really opens things up. So I was doing this work from 2010, asking these questions, start my company in 2014, 2015 and 16, I'm meeting people and starting to have these and like people are paying me for coaching, but I still was really just like on the surface level of like, oh, you know, tell me your backstory, what happened? And it wasn't until I got really serious about writing my book that I actually went back to some of my clients who I knew work very, very courageous. And I want to be crystal clear. This work is not for everybody. Most people are not willing to see the darkness that is held trapped around these beliefs. Like there's stuff that there's a reason that you're not looking at it. And it's not fun to do it. I don't know how anybody could do it by themselves because it is so scary to look at. However, the gain on the other side is huge. And so what I did is I went back to a few clients who've been working with me for a year or two. And I said, can we start all over? I don't actually think I'm going deep enough. And until I get to the bottom of this, I don't think that I'm, I'm accomplishing what I'm here for with this work. And they were like, sure, what do you want to ask? And so when we went on these soul excavation missions, and I went on seven of them, and those are chronicled in the book at a, at a kind of high, high level, but they informed me about the patterns that were happening for people. But like I said before, I'm asking people, you know, what do you believe about money? What do you believe about yourself? What do you believe about security in your life? Like you mentioned earlier, um, what do your parents believe about money? What have you adopted from your parents' beliefs? Sometimes you adopt the same thing. Sometimes you would adopt the exact opposite. Very helpful to notice. But when we're asking ourselves questions about these beliefs that we hold on to, that is when we begin to unravel at a very kind of high level what's happening here? And is this something that I want to look deeper at? Sometimes we'll get intuitive hits when we ask ourselves those questions. I found that people are actually like, it's hard to look at this stuff for maybe the reasons I said before. So I give people a list of questions and they're adapted slightly for each person I meet. We talk for a little bit of time. I go and fix the questions for their situation. I send them off they might give me 20 pages of information back of things I've asked them. 
And I will skim through that, but because I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of people, I will be reading and all of a sudden it's like, this is when, you know, for anybody who, yes, I'm woo woo, I'm clairaudient, clairsentient and clairvoyant, and I'm totally proud of it, have been all my life, but like, I will read through and all of a sudden I'm like, that's it. That, that situation that they're talking about is where all the energy is coming from in their life and the problem that they're dealing with. Like they've already told me why they're asking me to help them. Now we've got it. But then the next stage is now, what are we going to do about it? And I've, I've developed a system and I don't do this all that often. You know, we're just sharing because I really did give it to everybody in the book. Like I want to be crystal clear. I put it all there, but most people get stuck when they're trying to do the work in the book. So we're explaining we go in on a journey of, of healing and forgiving and all the different, like, I don't care if you go pay a hundred thousand dollars to work with, like, you know, the EKGs and all the like cybernauts or whatever it is, like all of those things all lead you back to forgiving others and forgiving yourself and being able to get absolute clarity of who you are in this lifetime why you're here and why you're not here. (laughs) And I just can get to it very, very quickly because of doing this so many times and not being afraid to go into these places that people often don't want to ever look at again. Well, that's, we're, we're very good at turning a, a blind eye to painful history, especially in our childhood. Right. Um, I work, I've, like I do hypnotherapy sometimes. And that's, I mean, it, to me, it's the best tool I've found to put people into hypnosis. Like they're willing, they'll explore it because they feel like they're in a safe place. I want to go back and ask you about the book. Cause you said everything's there, but people sometimes get stuck. Where do they get stuck in the book? And if people read your book and they get stuck, how can you give them a tip or tool to get through it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I just, it's funny because I, I just worked with somebody, um, last week and she's like, I'm on my fourth read of the book. And she's like, I, I know I'm going to answer all those questions. And I end up stopping at the exact same place. And it didn't matter that much for what we were talking about. So I wasn't like, tell me what page it was. (laughs) I wish I should have, (laughs) but what I can say is, is that the book is written in three parts. The first is like a super easy read and you hear about my own money trauma and you hear about systems and belief patterns, both scarcity patterns and how that affects our decisions. And also how the society and the research around the ways that we are trained to be, you know, more consumers than creators in our lives. And so like I'm teaching people to just think and let that soak in with case studies along the way. Part two is called I prosper. And that is this eight step process that I am walking you through. And I'm giving you the questions just like the artist's way, but instead of the artist's way here, we're talking about money and the money story, and you're going to write your money story. And so I think that where people get stuck the most is on um, the fifth stage, which is writing the hero's journey of your money story. (laughs) And you know this because if you're helping people with their own hero's journey, right? 
you get it. But they like, it's like deer in headlights. And it's, it's one thing to be reading about someone else's story, but now you're turning that lens back at you. There's trauma and challenge and, and it creates a lot of barriers to get the flow of like, what happens to writers is you start to get move into this creative flow where it just pours out of you. They're not reaching that because the blocks are still pretty big. Any tips? If somebody yeah. writes you an email and says, I'm stuck on step five, what do I do? What do yeah. Well, so one thing we're doing, right, is we're giving everyone access to this meditation and the meditation is totally designed to help people move through the blocks or at least notice where those blocks are. Now, again, going a little woo woo, um, you've heard that I'm a certified financial planner. I am on this planet with everybody else, but I also like the chakras and the I prosper system is inspired by the chakras, but so was Maslow. He was inspired with his, you know, hierarchy of needs by the chakras. So just, yeah, give me some space. But, um, what I found is that scarcity is trapped in those seven main chakras. It shows up in different ways. So the meditation is showing you what is the belief that you're holding on to that is out of alignment with truth. So the root chakra is, I feel like I'm not safe. The sacral chakra is, I don't feel like I'm worthy. The solar plexus is, I don't feel powerful or, you know, I feel like it's stunted. The heart is, I don't feel loved and appreciated. The throat is, I don't trust. I don't trust myself and I don't trust those financial advisors over there either. The, the brow is about feeling like you're enough and the crown is about abundance. And so what we're trying to do is we are practicing, we are rehearsing what it means to feel whole and complete and full at, at all levels of our being by tuning those chakras up because they actually affect every single thing that you could possibly do with money. And by understanding that, then you also see how it plays out in your relationships and the health of your body and everything. I just wanted to take a short break from this episode and let you know about one of the biggest secrets I have found when it comes to converting webinars. If you have a webinar and it's not converting as well as you want, or if you're thinking about building a webinar and you want to grab this tip, it has helped numerous people. One of my clients, we actually doubled their conversion rate just by implementing this one simple step. And you can grab it at deathtobadwebinars.com or by clicking in the show notes below. All right, let's jump back to the episode. Nice. So for those of you listening, if you're like, okay, I want the book and the meditation, in the show notes, you are giving people the first chapter of the book and the meditation, correct? Yep. Awesome. So that is at, I don't have the URL in front of me. Yeah. Wealthclinic.com wealth forward slash vision. Awesome. So that is in the show notes. It's also in the action bullets. Click on it. Free chapter, free meditation that will get you started. I want to come back and I want to ask, because one of the really interesting things to me, and it, it like when we were talking before the show yesterday, I think sometime in the last week when we were chatting, you said, you know, what's really interesting is people come to me for money. We heal these things and other areas of their life shift. 
And I think that's because I think everybody, it's very easy for a lot of people to point to money as if I just had it, my life would be way better. Or if I just made X, right? But what you found is healing that also heals a lot of other areas. Why do you think that is? And like, if you want to share a couple of client journeys, I, I, floor is totally yours, just because I know yeah. that that's true. I've seen it happen. Yeah. Um, first of all, I think it starts by the fact that I live a very integrated life. And that's what we're talking about is that when we have healed these different aspects of ourselves, we want it all to make sense. We want, we don't want to live a compartmentalized life, right? So that's the goal is what would my life look like if I didn't keep everything separate and everything actually cohabitated in a very flowing way. I'm in flow with all of life. So what I notice is that when people don't understand themselves. They don't understand, you know, these belief systems that they're holding on to. They kind of start and stop with life. They can't get the flow going. And, you know, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, but that's the thing that I think people are seeking. So when they come to me, they are typically something's not right with their money. Maybe they don't have very high profits in their business, or maybe they are just starting and stopping and they can't get in, you know, their business going the way that they want. But what, what I'm, I'm just kind of thinking of a story. One of my clients, when we first met, she had had a lot of trauma before she came to me, a really brutal, um, divorce where just to give you an idea of how bad it got, she was stay at home mom with two little boys and her husband was making a lot of money, but he was so irresponsible that she didn't even have diapers. She had cloth diapers and they didn't have water coming into the house. She'd have to go down the street and use somebody's front porch to wash out diapers. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that I hear about, like the deprivation that people have been exposed to that nobody wants to talk about. And so here she has this thriving uh, cleaning company that she's built up with employees. And she did the, she started it. She started cleaning houses so she could get out of a really bad marriage. But now she's got this big team of people and she came to me because she's thinking I'll work with her for a couple months and we'll figure this out. And she'll help me make some changes in my business. And then I'll be off and running. And then we just talked recently and she's like (laughs) five years later, which is how long she's been doing this work. The, the issue was about how she saw herself as a result of all the trauma, all the difficulties that life had served her. And it, the big difference in this, I see this theme over and over again, not everybody comes to me who is living in victim mode, but let's face it. A lot of the world has been taught to live that I am a victim to my circumstances. And she will a hundred percent say I was completely living in victim mentality but she wouldn't have said that at the time, only on the other side, right? Where 
those years of excavating and looking at the stories and doing some of that, you know, mindset work and showing up again and again to question all of these assumptions that she had about money and safety and enoughness and being loved and being seen and being powerful. All of those had to be addressed at some point or another in the work. So that now what she said was she's like, I, first of all, she went through a pandemic. Those businesses really got badly hurt. People didn't want anyone coming into their house last year. So her business went from, you know, $70,000 a month to like nothing. And she was saying in four months, I restored my company because there's so much spaciousness inside of me that I don't get phased by all the challenges and all the difficulties. I'm able to be present to what's going on for my clients, for myself, for my employees. I move through it quickly and money comes as a result of how efficient and dynamic I am. And all everything's working together rather than working against, my parts aren't working against each other, which is what she would describe the past. I mean, that's, I do? I, that's <laughs> perfect. Like you, I mean, you, told that story very well because that is I think that is the key right like entrepreneurs business owners a lot of times we want a tactic right we want more leads better sales blah 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 but really if nothing is right in your mindset and the way you do things you might there are people who have made millions of dollars by being very broken but not very many a lot of the people and this is something my old podcast, I interviewed a lot. I tried to interview as many millionaires as possible. And what I learned by interviewing them is most of them have done an immense amount of personal development, leadership. Like they're, they're looking to heal themselves. It was coming at it from a different place. It's not energy work like what you do, but it's very similar. And the, the number one thing, anyone who's listened to this show for any amount of time will know, like victimhood mentality is the number one thing that stops you from being successful. Anyone I know that is highly successful and a highly functioning person has beaten themselves out of victim mentality. They figured out that that's something that they had to do the opposite of. I mean, saying Tony Robbins, I think Tony Robbins, like at his core, that's this main thing he teaches that you can't be a victim and ever be successful. The minute you step out of victimhood mentality is the minute you like, you gain immense self-worth because you believe that you can like you are ultimately responsible and that comes with weight, but it also comes with immense freedom to like, trust yourself. Um, that's my take on it. It's a little bit different, but I think, I mean, it's, it's an amazing journey to like heal all of the stuff that's going on inside of you. And, to, to the story about the cleaner, like when she did her business, even during a pandemic thrived. And I bet she feels completely different inside. She's probably a completely different person than she was a couple of years ago. Yeah. I mean, that's what she describes. It's, it's helpful because, you know, I'm not doing that, that money breakthrough work all that often. And, and even in my group programs, there isn't the time or the ability to do it yet. I'm watching people just by hanging out with me and asking their routine questions in business. They're asking me things, but because I'm operating at that integrated level, my responses come from, you know, I know you're asking about this, but it's actually over here and you have to deal with it over here. And then this will happen. And people don't always like to hear that, but after a while they're like, oh my gosh, 
you just, you know, 20 steps ahead, not just a couple steps because I've been there. I've done this work for myself. I'm like, girlfriend, we don't want to waste time with it right here. Like, let's talk about where this is going to take you that. And, and I want to say this too, because you mentioned success, like my clients, when they get into this work, their definition of success is radically different than what they thought success was going to be quantified by. Like success might be a couple hundred thousand dollar business with a 50% profit margin and $10,000 a month is plenty to cover everything they need now and into the future. Like I think that that's the other piece is that people all talk about, I thought this was what I needed. And now I'm realizing that I can live on less and be more happy than I've ever been in my whole life. And I have this spacious calendar and I have friends and my husband didn't leave me, even though he was saying he was going to like, those are the things that I'm like, I don't know how I'm helping you with that, but I'm just really, really happy that that's what's happening because that's what's happened for me. Well, that's, I mean, it really comes down to, I, at the end of the day, I think people want money because they think it will fix all of these problems. When one of the best interviews I ever read was with, uh, it, it was just a point in the interview that stuck out and I'll share it here in a second, but it was with the CEO of JP Morgan Chase. She's a woman. I can't remember her name and she grew up uh, lower middle class somewhere in the Midwest and worked her way up. And the interviewer was asking her, um, you know, well, now that you're, cause I think she makes her salary is somewhere like 12 to 15 million a year plus bonuses. And they said, you know, now that, now that you have, you know, left your past behind and you've gotten here, how is it to not be stressed about money? And she said, oh, the stress never goes away. If anything, there's more because I am responsible now for like a small country, basically. She was like to find the right places to invest it, to find the right ways to manage it. Because she said with, with many resources comes much responsibility. And it was interesting to me to hear that because it, I believe that that's true though. Like anyone, there's another entrepreneur I follow in the last five years, he's done about 250 million. And he literally, he was, he did a YouTube video yesterday, a couple of days ago. And he was like, we have 150 million sitting in our bank account, not doing anything because we don't know what to do with it. And he's like, that's what keeps me up at night because I don't feel like I'm being a good steward of it. He's like, you know, we're growing into it and I'm, I'm figuring out how to manage it. And he's, he is a successful, like he's got that mindset. He's trying to figure it out, but like that whole thing, money, isn't what solves the issue. There's just going to be more issues. If you make a bunch of money and you haven't done the work to know how to manage it, to know how to handle it. And if any, like, I mean, there have been plenty of people who did very well in business and suddenly were less happy because they realize, I mean, you see the suicide rate of people who make a million dollars actually is higher because they, they make all this money and they don't know what to do. And now they're really unhappy. Um, mm -hmm. I know that's, that's not a good note to end on though. So let's go. <laughs> no, I mean, to me, it's like, I think I'm really unusual and maybe this is part of what's going on with the coaching is I really do have enough. And I don't think most people in their lifetime will ever know what that feels like. 
And I think that if you tie it into back to how we feel about ourselves, if we still want more and we can't be satisfied with, you know, a reasonable amount of money, don't get me wrong. Like I want people to be comfortable. I want people to go on their awesome trips and have fun and enjoy life and have freedom. But I think it's more about the freedom than it is about the dollar sign. And what can you do to set yourself up so that you're not just living according to an idea of what it's going to take to be happy, but what is it going to take for you to be absolutely happy in this moment? Because that's what's going to matter. Well, that's, I, I agree. I think people are after freedom and they're after security, which can be the same thing. The, the I think where we'll end this you said a lot of people can live on $10,000 a month or $12,000 a month. And I know for me, like I did at one of the Tony Robbins events I went to, they had us do like our dream budget. Right. And I think that's a really powerful exercise, but I would, you've done this with a ton of clients. You've done this with people over the years. What would you say is the enough figure like mm-hmm. if you had, cause I think a lot of people will say a million dollars, right? Million dollars. I will be happy or I'll be set or <laughs> I'll have enough or whatever. What in your experience is the real number? And then I'll let you unpack that a little bit. And I think that's where we'll wrap this up. Yeah. So there's two really big distinctions and I found this out on my own journey yes, it's true. We're trying to maybe get to a million dollars or $2 million or $3 million or whatever, but that's actually not that important of a number. It's actually more important to know how much money is going to come in this month and next month for the rest of your life. That's the more interesting number to me, that consistent flow of revenue coming in, because let's say it is $10,000. Like you can you know, after taxes, let's say $10,000, it's actually quite a good amount of money. If you don't have any debt and you're like, you're spending it on insurance, you're spending it on utilities, you know, you probably don't have a car payment, you know, you're, and that's the kind of life that we've lived for a very long time. So that's why I can say 10,000. But what I woke up to five years ago was I was like, we don't have any revenue streams. We have a bunch of cash, but we don't have the revenue streams. And I knew that I had to reconfigure the way I had made the money to create a whole different way going forward, which was about reoccurring revenue. And how was that going to play out for the rest of my life so that I did have that freedom? Because whether you invest it in the stock market, I've seen it go down 40, 50%, right? So yeah, like that might not work for, you know, what you're planning to do and how long it takes to recover, but things like real estate and money coming in from different products that we've created that are evergreen or books that can sell for years. Like there are so many cool things that we can do to create that. That to me is more secure than a lot of the other stuff, like the jobs or even the businesses that many people create. That's a good, good place to wrap that up. Um, I think, I mean, it's my number is a little bit higher than 10 K a month, but there is a point where it's like, that covers a lot of living, especially if you don't have a debt. I think it's really interesting. I had this discussion with one of my college friends who I talked to a couple times a year. And I mean, he's paying three K a month in credit card bills. I'm like, imagine what your life would be like without that. Like, 
Anyway, to all of you out there listening, this has been a very wide ranging episode. Make sure you check the description, download the free chapter of the book, get the meditation, explore this area a little bit, because I think one of the biggest gifts that you can give yourself is to find that freedom number and to rid yourself of any of the toxic energy blocks, anything that you have, whether you're woo woo or not money affects you. Like the minute you say that, like you feel something inside of you, um, and getting rid of that and healing those can be one of the most powerful things in your life. Lisa, I want to say thank you so much for coming on. You've been an amazing guest. Thank you for sharing so much with us. Thank you. No problem. It's my pleasure to everybody else out there until next time, take action, change lives and make money. We will see you soon. All right, we're good. Thanks for checking out today's show. Do you want the fast and easy Cliff Notes version of the actionable steps from today's episode? If so, go to actionbullets.com and download yours today. Also, if you're looking to start using story selling in your business and have stories do 90% of the hard work for you, grab my free course at storyselling.how today. Till next time, take action, change lives, and make money. We'll see you soon.